Welcome, allow yourselves to settle and arrive. We will begin in one minute. It's great to have you. Okay, we are beginning. Welcome to Awakening Torah Musar Mindfulness. This week in particular, we're doing Awakening Masse. Okay, the uh, the Masse of the Ne Israel, the children of Israel in Bamibar in the desert. We are we are in it with them in the in the journey and. Um, before we jump in, I always share our intentions in Kavanot, but first let me just do a brief introduction. I'm Rabbi Chassi Uriel Steinbauer, the founder and director of the Institute for Holiness, Kehilat Musar. We meet with this free will offering every Sunday, Bezrat Hashem, God willing, at 7.30 p.m. here in Israel and 12.30 Eastern Standard Time, located on the Eastern board or Midwest also of the United States and Canada and whoever is along that border. And so we do this as a part of our Musar mindfulness practice. We basically jump in to the weekly Torah portion to look at it from that lens, from that practice of how we can learn from the Torah, what does it have to teach us and how we can apply it to our own daily practice. And yeah, give me one second. And so today is Sunday, July 31st, and we have entered the month of Av, which if you're not familiar, is the saddest day on the Jewish calendar um, of Tisha B'Av, where we engage in reading from Echa, from Lamentations, mourning essentially uh, not only the destruction of the second temple, but many calamities throughout the history of the Jewish people and what I would call intergenerational trauma, communal trauma. Um, and, and just uh, so much life was, uh, people don't, we can't really wrap our heads around what happened when you think of uh, uh, um, an overarching colonizing power like Rome coming in and destroying everything that you know what life to be is and how you are and then essentially kind of kidnapped and moved into exile into other lands. So the ramifications of that is something that we will come up with on, on Tisha B'Av, but we've entered this nine days from Rosh Chodesh, the new moon until then. And that's where we are in our mind state. So if you're feeling the heat of Av, of the summer, it's all part of what we are supposed to be feeling. And the real embodied sense, this kind of really in the Northern hemisphere, the heat, and also with that, that can come the reactionaryism, right? The, the being react the, the whole reactivity and the anger and what we call baseless or senseless or mindless hatred, right? So we're going to hold all that today and we're going to move into our intentions, our kavanot for today's sessions, which we bring every time. So you see, if you are watching on video and have vision, <clears throat> you will see here 
whether you're joining us live stream on Facebook or on our YouTube channel or here on Zoom, delighted to have all you. We have here the four doing acts of caring for the self, because we see this practice today as caring for the self. We say, this is something I'm doing to strengthen my own soul in order to be of benefit to others in the future. Why we commit to this practice. The second says, in doing acts for others, because we are building up ourselves to care for others, we say, this is something I'm doing to strengthen my relationship to others so I can be a better conduit of God's good to others when they need me. And the final one, we're doing this practice together here, taking refuge in community to strengthen our relationship with the divine. This is something I'm doing to strengthen my relationship with the creator so I can be a better conduit of God's good to others when they need me. So may we merit this today and our practice here together as we move forward into today's lesson. So what is going on today? You might be have noticed something special has shifted in the in the calendar. Maybe you've noticed. If you haven't, it's okay. So normally in Israel, since Passover, since Pesach, we have been like a, a Torah portion ahead <laughs> of where everyone outside of Israel was. So essentially, if we were, you know, on Bami Bar, then you were still in uh, Leviticus in Vayikra. So um, what's happening is that you just had a double portion outside of Israel. You had Matot Mase together. And you had that uh, uh, yesterday on Shabbat. And here in Israel, we had just Maseh, but we're all cut up. What does that mean? We're all on the same page again. So next week when we meet together, Bezrat Hashem, we will be entering the book of Deuteronomy, of Devarim. And we will be studying the same Parsha together. Like you won't be a week ahead or behind. Um, so what does that mean? So it means for this week, if you have time, read through it, get a sense of where you are with it in your practice, and then we'll dump into it together. If you don't have time, then maybe you'll have time on Shabbat, on the Jewish Sabbath on Saturday, to listen to it read or to study and read through it. But that's where we'll be next week is the first Torah portion in Deuteronomy called Dvarim. Essentially, Ele Dvarim, meaning these are the words. But today we are in Masse, which means the journeys, right? This is the, the final, the final, we like I said, the final countdown, right? The final summary of this wilderness journey, the itinerary that our ancestors went through in the desert, um, where we basically go through 42 stations, Tachanot, basically, 42 stations of where they traveled and where they rested. And now I want you to think when we actually go into our mindfulness meditation practice together, what are your tachanot? What are your stations in life? If you had 42 of them, where would they be? What would you recall? Where would you pause and say, this was important to me? This, and this is the reason why. This is where I rebelled against God, right? This is where I felt God got angry with me. This is where I got angry at my fellow family and and tribe or community, you know, everything like that, that happened with our ancestors over the 40 years is similar to our own life. We all have these stations in life, things that we can recall, 
that um, are part of our our journey ourselves. So we're moving through with our ancestors through their journey. It's basically split up into three sections. We have the Ramses to the Sinai wilderness. Then you have the Sinai wilderness to Kadesh. And then you have Kadesh to the steeps of Moab, where the children of Israel are waiting right now, basically to enter the land. And um, as I said, they go through a kind of this whole itinerary of looking at what, where they've been, what they've been through, things of that sort. And so you may wonder yourself, why? Why do we need a list of 42 stations of where our ancestors went? And, and this, is a, this is a question that we can apply even to our own lives. Why do we need to recall where we've been and, and we don't have to answer that right now, but it's something that we want to hold and to understand why this is important to and being provided to us. Um, and it's not just words, meaning it's just not like wasted words and paper that there's something to the fact that this, this sojourn in this desert really cultivated our ancestors, right? If you want to see it as a, as a spiritual discipline, that's what they went through. Not always with mindfulness, right? We learn this. Um, but there was so much practice and so much triggers and stimuli and things for great growth, growth in relationships, growth in wise speech, growth in how they're going to relate to the divine and be together and work out how they're going to live as this people under the rule of law. As you may recall, when we started this back in Bereshit, all the way moving into past the, the whole creation stories and into finally stories of our people beginning in Shemot, in Exodus, you have this sense of this vigilante justice, this sense that there was this moral compass developing in certain individuals like Avraham, our ancestor Abraham, and uh, Moshe Rabbeinu and others, and even the midwives in Egypt, right, where they called it fear of God, meaning that was their language in order to say, I know that this is wrong, this behavior of being commanded to kill little baby boy children. And for example, for the midwives. So they knew they were using, you didn't fear God. I knew this was a place you didn't fear God. And so it's their moral compass of knowing what's right and wrong. And that had to develop from individual consciousness to collective, to creating a people who collectively started really living under a rule of law and agreeing to those terms and rules in order to live by it together. And it, so that's what we're gonna hold from today's Parsha, but what is really important to me that I want to share with you is something quite beautiful and significant that happens. So every once in a while, you get to witness our ancestors shift in morality, shift in consciousness. And it's a moment to pause because I think we all go through this even in our own individual lives. So in this partial, we learn about how our ancestors were commanded to create something called cities of refuge. Okay. If you want to follow along, this is in chapter 35. We're looking at verses nine through 15. And what you have here is this basic theological uh, position that the divine presence cannot abide in the land that is essentially polluted by murder. 
that essentially if blood is spilled, even by accident, meaning the person didn't intend to kill the person, there still needs to be an accounting. It's almost as if the, the, the earth, if you think back to the first murder, God forbid, um, of Adam and Chava's sons, uh, of Chevel and Cain, and the earth actually kind of screams out because it's the first time it's swallowing human blood. It has to consume it and it doesn't want to. And so there's this sense uh, among our ancestors that there's a real accounting that has to happen. And this offense of this kind of spill blood is pollution to the earth. And it also leads to the abandonment of God from God's sanctuary and people. So the laws of homicide get really special treatments. And you will want to think in your own societies, if you're coming from the United States or Canada or wherever you might be, how does your society work through these laws of homicide today? How do we treat somebody who kills somebody by accident? How do they take care of the family that has to deal with the person murdered? How do they take care of the other? So this is all very important. So basically what happens is there's the establishment of asylums. Asylums. You may think, why? Why do they need to be asylum? Because back in the ancient Near East, and particularly with our ancestors, there was this blood guilt, this like blood uh, revenge, uh, actually called Goel Hadam, someone that was supposed to be responsible for that ancestor being murdered, usually a father, a, bro a brother, or an uncle, and that they were supposed to do the accounting. They were supposed to actually go and murder the person who murdered their family. But what has happened is a huge shift. In Israel, they've decided that when something happens by accident, meaning the person didn't intend to kill the person and they can actually prove that in a court of law, this person shouldn't be killed. They didn't mean to do it. That's a huge shift in Near Eastern mindset and thinking. So instead they create this place for the person to flee. I think there were six cities total. And they went and fled until the Kohen Gadol, the head priest, passes away. And they fled because the person who is the one that's supposed to take the revenge will not be able to go ahead and do the revenge. It's almost like they created a new institution that uh, will still acknowledge that the family might have that revenge feeling of wanting to hurt the person who, and obviously murder them, who, who by accident killed their family member but they won't be able to do it because this person has been given asylum, okay? It's, it's a radical shift, um, essentially, because there was such a prevalence in the institution of blood vengeance in the ancient Near East. And we see this today. We might wanna believe that we as modern people don't have this urge or need or desire but we, we witnessed this. We witnessed this in gang violence, one going after the other. We witness it uh, even in war. Uh, so it, there, there is this human state when it's really unbalanced that can lead from not only anger, but to rage. And it's blinded by it, right? Blinded by that, that uh, it, revenge is really something that just is just out of control, right? Rage in that sense. And that was like institutionalized in the ancient Near East. So now you have this blood, right, of the slain uh, that used to be avenged. And then and, and they can't do that anymore. Okay, the laws of homicide have shifted. So one, 
only the guilty party is involved, not his whole family. It used to be that sometimes they would murder the whole family if somebody killed somebody, even by accident. So now you have the guilty party only is involved. No other family member can be slain to like make up for them, right? Number two, the guilt is determined by the slayer's intention. This is the first time you're getting intention coming in to law, right? This is significant. Um, so the involuntary homicide is not put to death. Doesn't mean there still isn't accounting for it. We're going to hold on to that because a lot the land has still been polluted on some level, right? So number three, no ransom can take place of the death of the murderer, essentially, right? So you can't, uh, <clears throat> if somebody killed somebody on purpose, God forbid, um, you can't pay off the murder. That is not allowed. There still is this concept of a life for a life here that we're witnessing that today often we find um, morally reprehensible and we don't feel leads to anything. Like you're going to, you're somehow going to address the blood being um, polluting the land by actually spilling more blood. Uh, at least we know in our practice um, that we don't want to cause more harm and suffering, that we need to address this in a different way. Um, and so finally, the fourth is this verdict of either deliberate or involuntary homicide is actually made by the state with a court and not by the bereaved kinsmen. Okay. And uh, this is why these asylum cities are established. So the trial happens. And um, even if the person is found guilty that it's done deliberately, the Goel Hadam, the redeemer, the one that has to actually um, revenge the death of the family member, um, is essentially only allowed to commit that uh, capital punishment with the sanction of the state and controlled by it. Uh, so um, you see huge shift and a huge shift from individual vigilante justice of families taking out vengeance on other families to a rule of law, to it being a communal uh, operation, one that is run more by what we might call the state. Um, it's adopted by Israel. It's a revolutionary principle. The right of asylum is limited solely to the premeditated um, manslayer, right? I mean, un, unpre unpremeditated. Um, so there's been a significant shift here. You and I have been witnesses to our, our ancestors moving out of the institution of slavery, being redeemed and taken. And that's a nice word, actually, because God is considered the goel, the redeemer of the people, right? And God's not spilling blood in that moment, except, right, there is blood being spilled. Who's being killed? The Egyptians, the firstborn of the Egyptians. So you see this. You see this mentality and this thing playing out. But our people are coming out of the institution of slavery, have 40 years to try to work through this intergenerational trauma of the institution of slavery together. And they develop this rule of law and start living together more uh, in this community, in this state. Um, and so we, it's quite a privilege, to be honest with you, for us to be able to have this record, to witness it and learn from it each year, to grow and uh, learn from each other, 
So with all this in mind, I want to move us into our mindfulness meditation practice. Um, for those of you who are new to such practice, you are welcome to stand during the practice or do a slow walking meditation or even lie down. If you have vision, I recommend keeping the eyes open while you're lying down so you can remain awake and alert. For those of us who are in a seated position, if you're in a chair like I am, then I recommend grounding your feet so that you be held by the earth and coming to an upright position, one that is dignified as you are created in the likeness and image of the divine, one that is awake and alert, but not stiff. You want to be at ease. If you are sitting on a meditation cushion on what we call a zafu, uh, allow your knees to foot, uh, fall down and touch the earth. So you are being held by that. And you may rest your hands in your lap or on your thighs, wherever it's comfortable, on your chest, if you want to hold your heart, if you're in need of self-compassion right now, if you're feeling vulnerable. And we gently close the eyes or lower the gaze. Again, if you have vision in order to block out that external stimulation. And we will begin with three deep cleansing breaths. Inhalation, exhalation. Inhalation, you are beginning to arrive. Exhalation, allowing the body to come to some ease. Inhalation, breathing in presence, stillness. Exhalation, allowing your anchor, your attention to be on the sound of my voice and on your breath and body always bringing yourself back to this present moment. It is normal for the thoughts to shift. That is the practice to simply begin again. Once you become awake, that you went off elsewhere and you simply bring it back to your breath and body and my voice. Noticing what is here for you right here and right now and welcoming it, accepting it. Are you having any intense emotions? Anything that you might label as unpleasant? Simply honor it. No need to judge it or push it away. Same thing if you are having any strong sensations in the body any pain or discomfort, recognize it, even honor it, attending and befriending, recognizing that it's going to be here with you. You can even make it part of your awareness practice. This is what discomfort feels like. This is what pain feels like. Perhaps it is dis-ease. And then for those of you who are caught up in certain thoughts, it might be that you are ruminating over something that happened before you came to this 
sitting and talk today. Or maybe you're in the future planning for what's coming next. Simply recognize it. They're just thoughts. They're not who you are. You can simply bring your attention to your breath, to your body, to whatever I am guiding. From time to time, I may fall silent for you to spend time in the practice. You can trust that I will return. And you can trust that at the end of our meditation together, I will gently pull you out with my voice today. So let's focus on what is here for us right here and right now on our own journeys, our own stations in life. What is the station you are at right here and right now? Are you finding it pleasant? Are you finding it neutral? Perhaps it is unpleasant. And where are you feeling your current station in life in your body? Maybe you feel it in your shoulders and your neck, down your back. Maybe it's located in your chest. Is there any tension, difficulty breathing? Or maybe there's a spaciousness, an openness, a sympathetic joy, allowing for whatever is present for you at your current station in life, right here, right now. What is so profound in this practice together and even witnessing our ancestors in the desert is how much we come to learn that we are at our own individual station internally and we are part of a people, part of a community, part of a world that may be at a different station and that we're on that journey with them and attempt to be mindful of both. And not always does the inner match with the outer behavior. How many of us have had times at our stations in life where our outward behavior, our deeds, our words, our speech, even our thoughts did not match who we know to be ourselves inside. That disalignment has the effect of a feeling of lack of integrity, a lack of continuity. And so many times we want to honor in our practice and learning together as we leave the desert, as we leave Bami Bar. How many times our ancestors were so much discord, so much 
unwise speech, unwise behavior that was not in alignment with the beautiful souls we need, we know them to be. How much we humans make mistakes. That we must address our learning and practice with compassion, with a little less judgment, with metta, with chesed, with loving kindness. May you be able to accept the station that you're at right now. May you be able to do so with kindness. May you be able to be present. We will spend the next five minutes in silent meditation together. Allowing yourself to recognize and allow, accept, attend and befriend whatever is here for you. Investigating the felt sense in the body. Not identifying with whatever arises. Doing so with a nurturing, gentle touch. I will let you know when we have reached our five minutes together.
From time to time, your thoughts will wander. Simply bring your attention back to your anchor, your breath and body. You have a few more minutes in our meditation. In our last minute of meditation, see if there's been an opening or a shift for you from what you began. With no judgment, just simply noting. If there hasn't been a shift, that's also absolutely okay. There's a fuller range of experience. Considering your own kavanah or intention for today, allow yourself to consider what you wanted to get out of this session, what you hope to bring to it, allow that to arise. And spend the next half of a minute considering what your questions or comments may be for today's practice and teaching. And when you're ready, you can gently and slowly open your eyes if you had them closed taking the time and understanding that there's an adjustment to the light when we come back to this shared sangha, shared vad, shared group together on this sacred screen of Zoom together and on live stream. Allow yourself to have that adjustment. Thank you for your practice. Thank you for committing together, taking refuge in the teachings and here together and practicing together. So this is your moment. You are a wonderful subscribers and those interested in our work here at the Institute for Holiness, Kihilat Musar. So take this opportunity to ask questions or share how your practice was. You're welcome to go off mute and just let us know your name, where you're from. And um, we'll move from there. And you're also welcome to pass if you do not want to share today. Anything from Susan or Jeannie today? And if I'm not pronouncing your name correctly, please let me know. My name is Jenny. Jenny, thank you for correcting me. English way of saying. I'm Thank from you. Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Welcome. I, this is my third time here. 
I'm so grateful that you have come back for a third time. Do you have anything you would like to share or any questions? Mm. I was very frustrated this morning because the website where I used to, to submit, to, to come in to watch your video, I could not because there is a ball, colorful ball, rolling around and around and I lost everything. Mm. I could not figure out what to do. Mm. So I switched. The, my, the computer that I'm using is set into two separate uh, persons. So mm. I switch user and go to another site. Mm -hmm. And instead of uh, going into my uh, email address to go into look for it, I just type in your, your link. Mm -hmm. on the computer mm -hmm. and then I got here finally. Wonderful. So it's amazing. It is amazing. It's amazing that you, despite your frustration, you worked with uh, what you could in order to arrive where you are. Yeah. So but I, I still cannot understand the 42 stages of journey that mm -hmm. the two special words that I cannot figure out what they are. <laughs> yeah they they're basically if we could let's let's turn to the text and i can point that out um and they actually list them in this parsha and in, in masse actually so let me just get to our text um <clears throat> so first they um they start Sounds go ahead Go ahead. Sounds, sounds like starting with an M and another word sounds like starting with, I cannot figure out. Yeah, so basically they start off, if you're going to look at uh, chapter 33, uh, verse 5, they start off saying, the Israelites set out from Ramses and encamped at Sukkot. And then they start, and then they set out from Sukkot and encamped at Etam. And they go through 42 different sites, locations. And they list that all the way through with some of the things that happen at each site. And mm -hmm. finally, they get to the end of that 42 in a verse 37, where it says they set out from Kadesh and encamped at Mount Hor on the edge of the land of Edom. So there you have the whole list, um, but it's over... It's over 40 years that this uh, these different sites happen. So does that answer your question and help you with where we are? Excuse me, I don't get the chapter. I got the number, but what is the name of the chapter? The 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 name of the chapter is it's not a name. I mean, we're in we're in a, what's called numbers, which is oh, the, the numbers. Name. Yes. Okay. Numbers th uh, chapter 33. Yeah, I got the rest. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. Thank so, you. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in Hebrew, it's called Bami Bar, but it's called Numbers in English. So, oh, oh, oh. yeah, yeah, it, which means in the desert. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I, I had come across the term, but I can never remember them. It's okay. It's okay. Absolutely. So great. Uh, Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. I hope that uh, you are getting uh, something out of the teaching and practice with us so much. Thank um, you. Yeah, you're welcome. Susan, do you have anything you want to share or would you like to pass today? 
She might not even hear me right now. She's on mute. Ah, there you are. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> I'm going to pass this morning. <laughs> okay, welcome. And remind me again, I know you're 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 in Albuquerque, correct? That's correct. That's right. Okay. So we have Albuquerque and up in Canada and here in Israel. We're we're all over the world right now. <laughs> That's good. It's good. All right. So um we always uh, request and accept donations for our offerings, known as Dana in the Buddhist practice and Truma in the Jewish practice. Uh, we, uh, you can be in touch with me via email or on our website. We accept any amount for if you've benefited and would like to um, honor us with a donation that would be very much appreciated. We also sponsor, we accept sponsorships for our weekly sittings. So it could be in honor of somebody or in memory of someone who has passed away. Just be in touch with us uh, to arrange for that. And uh, mostly for your weekly practice, just please attempt to sit. Notice what uh, soul traits me don't come up for you, what you might be challenged by. On the Jewish calendar, if you're aware, where we've entered this nine days, right, where it's like this time of mourning that before we hit uh, Tisha B'Av. So it can be a very difficult trying time, one that uh, is at least a communal mourning and sadness, even if you're not feeling it individually. Uh, talk about this outside matching the inside. So uh, how can we be witness to a communal morning and, and be present for it, even if we ourselves might not necessarily connect or know um, to just honor it. So uh, we do so together in community. I'm so grateful for your presence today and everyone on live streaming joining us or will watch this recording or hear the audio later. Thank you. Thank you for joining the Institute for Holiness, Kahilat Musar. And um, so next, uh Sunday, we're going to have to have a shift uh, when we're meeting. And I will put out an announcement of that because it actually is Tisha B'Av. Uh, so we will not be meeting the 9th of Av, uh, the day of morning. Uh, I won't be meeting at the exact same time. So I will put an announcement on uh, through the social media and on the website of when we will meet instead um, in order to uh, cover next week's Torah portion of the Varim of Deuteronomy, the first Torah portion there. Mm. Thank you again. May you have compassionate, good week. I'm so grateful that you joined. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.